I'm Nigerian journalist Dr. Kemi Olunlaya, and this is 419 Massacre. 419 Massacre is a podcast series and recording to tell the world the real story of what happened in Lagos, Nigeria on October 20th, 2020, in what we called the Lekki Tollgate protest. And it was deemed to be the Lekki Tollgate massacre or the Lekki massacre during the NSARS protest. The NSARS protest was about a very notorious and an elite police squad in the Nigerian police, known for a lot of arrests, false arrests, extortion, and also extrajudicial killing of young people, middle-aged people, and even old people. It was a problem. It was something that has been fought for so long. And in this podcast series, you're going to learn the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Majority of the people in Nigeria, especially young people, they want you to believe that the government killed a lot of people at the Lekki toll gate. The Lekki toll gate is a thoroughfare, an expressway that linked Lekki Ikoi to Ekwe. Ekwe is another small fishing town. For so many years, the toll gate has been there and it was operated by a company known as LCC. Billboards all over that toll gate was operated by a company called Lotsad Promo Media, owned by Shei Tinumbu. Shei Tinumbu was, his father was a governor in Lagos State. So he is the son of a former governor. The Nigerian youth and the society at large is bent on telling lies to the world on who really died at that toll gate. We're gonna start from how the whole thing started. You have to look, you have to check, you have to see, you have to research, you have to Google, you have to do a lot. But on this series, you have to just listen to myself, Dr. Camille Lunlayer, an investigative journalist of 27 years. I was trained in the United States. I know how to investigate things. I come from a long line of investigators. My own grandfather, late grandfather, was Nigeria's first deputy inspector general of police. That's what they call it now. And he was a CID man. My cousin, Shema Bimbola, a former attorney general and commissioner for justice in Oyo State. We came from a long line of investigators, law enforcement, and prosecution. At the end of the day, the story you're gonna hear here is the truth about what happened. Because in Nigeria, we like to lie a lot. Nigeria is a country built on liars, cheats, and frauds. Yes, it is my country, but it is based on liars, cheats, and fraud. In this podcast series, I will use a word called LCF, and it's an acronym I created, just like SBNI, 
uh, created that one too. SBNI is smart but not intelligent. The average youth in Nigeria is smart but not intelligent. And there's a lot of LCFs, liars, cheats, and frauds. They want sympathy. They want to steal. They want to defraud people. And this was a big way to defraud the government. Defraud them of damages. Billions and billions of Naira in damages from the Ansaras protests. So let's go and start this podcast and show you what it's all about. A lot of people involved, a lot of names, a lot of events. But I tweeted it from the first day it started. I'll give you a background of SARS before I actually go towards what happened in October 2020. As I said earlier, SARS is an elite police force, a squad out of our Nigerian police. And SARS is supposed to be a special and robbery squad. Their job was to arrest and get prosecution for armed robbers, kidnappers, bandits, and criminal elements. Nigeria has a high rate of bank robberies. The thieves themselves come in with AK-47 automatic weapons. So the police in Nigeria carry AK-47s. They have to have equal firepower. There were officers that would arrest armed robbers at bank robberies, home invaders, and different criminals who had all those weapons. And what our police did in Nigeria, they would lock them up, and then they're supposed to go to court and get convicted or prosecuted and land in prison. But something happened in the mid-80s to early 90s. There became some kind of issue with police and army. I believe what happened was that a big top cop and a big army guy who knew each other somehow collided in the form of the big army guy was killed by armed robbers. The army complained that the police didn't do enough to prevent this murder. They said they need to start an elite force squad that will target armed robbers, bandits, and so on. It became a war, the police versus the army, before they now settled to form SARS. Anytime an officer in the police force saw a military guy, they attacked them. Anytime an army guy saw a police officer, they attacked them. It became police killing the army. Nigeria was a bad time at that time. And then they decided to form the special armed robbery squad, SARS. What SARS turned into was a squad of armed robbers themselves. Imagine police officers stopping you in traffic, basically profiling you because you were a young person. You were riding a nice car. You were wearing braids. You were wearing dreads. You had tattoos. You were a fraudster. They would arrest people 
they will lock them up. Instead of courts, they will just execute them in that police station. The police stations had abattoirs where they actually murdered and tortured a lot of people without any form of court process or prosecution. Many people have been killed in SARS custody. It became unbearable and the Nigerian public said, this has to stop. One man took it upon himself. He decided to do something about it. His name, they call him Sega Link. Sega Link is Shegun Awosanya. First name Shegun, last name Awosanya. In 2017, he began talking about SARS. He began talking about what is not working in society. I didn't like the whole idea. I felt that you can reform the police force. So we started Reform SARS. His and SARS. There were fights back and forth. His supporters, my supporters, everybody throwing insults at each other. And at the end of the day, Shagun went to Abuja, the nation's capital. He got bills passed, several bills, including the most important one, the extrajudicial killing of Nigerian citizens must stop. After working so hard in the National Assembly with the top cops, the police headquarters, as well as many top cops in the DIG, AIG, everybody, Shagun became a hero of sorts. A hero of sorts. And when I say the sorts, he will go out there and literally save the Nigerian public from the hands of ruthless police officers, unjustified arrests, and much more. I watch Shegun Awusanya go at 2 o'clock in the morning to help people who are arrested, wrongfully arrested for nothing. People are arrested because of police quotas. Quarters that allow officers to go and arrest 10 people so that their bosses will be happy. Those 10 people who come to the station, they were paying money. And yet the police promoted their whole no bail. Bail is free. It wasn't working. Shagun would go out there, a one-man army to get people released. I have seen with my own eyes how people left their offices and they went to lunch. That one situation that happened at a company in Ikeja. Three, four employees go to eat lunch and police swoop in and arrest them all. For what? They call Sega Link. Shagun Awusan and Sega Link will go out there. When he started going out in the night, in the midnights, people were extorted. A man was extorted. 100,000, 300,000. Shagun accelerated how we approach our police officers, the PCRU, the complaint unit, the everything. Nigerian police was active on Twitter. But since Twitter was banned in Nigeria, we have not been able to see action on that handle. All the government handles are silent on Twitter until Twitter is coming back full time. Shagun Awusanya did a lot. I called him one day to talk to him that he's a hero. But before that, we were enemies. I met a young man called Wale Jana. 
is a businessman in Abuja. He owns Sapphire Sense. I met him online. And Wale Jana took a flight to Lagos. And Sega Link was on that flight. They spoke during the flight. And while he arrived in Lagos, he called me and said, I met Sega Link on the plane. As much as you guys beef on Twitter, I feel you can change Nigeria, both of you. You should work together on this NSARS thing. Here's his number. Give him a call. I was the older one. And I called him. Shegwa Wosanya was very nice and very polite with me. And told me that he's ready to work with me. And why we abused each other and said all kinds of horrible things about each other. We forgave each other. The next day he tweeted to his fans because his fans were against me and my fans were against him. He tweeted to his fans that I'm joining the, the whole campaign and SARS. I left reform SARS alone. Before that, Shegu and I spoke in private. That is almost impossible to reform SARS. It's impossible to reform the Nigerian police. Sometimes it's very hard. I was a five-year volunteer for the Toronto police. And even with everything I did with Toronto police, Constable Scott Smith, who's now retired and the spokesman, Scott Smith said in a statement when I was kicked out of Canada that I helped him with a lot of murders and some of his colleagues didn't like the fact that he was working with me. And that will come along lines of racism. A black woman helping the police solve gun crimes. We know how it is. Nine years later, we have Black Lives Matter now. A lot of things have changed in the police department. At the end of the day, I moved to end SARS. And the move was to get SARS gone. And all the bills passed. And an agreement between the people and the police to change. No more extortion on the streets. No officers holding POS machines. No forcing people to open their phones. We had a goal. The movement became big, but it was online. And on one day, the police agreed that they will do everything. We gave them the list, five things they must do. Five for five. They must meet our demands. And they promised to do that. Meanwhile, Mr. Shegwan Wosonya, the convener of NSARS, who did almost all the work, and it was hard work, now decided to sign the papers to agree with the police that they are going to give us five for five. And they were going to put it into law. Five for five had five components of things the police had to do so that we no longer have the really horrible things we went through with the police department. There will be no more extrajudicial killings. There will be differences in how the police actually run everything. Five for five had different things that we agreed on 
with one of the police officers. We definitely wanted them to dissolve SARS. We did not want the extrajudicial killings anymore. The force public relations officer, DCP Frankenbach, he's now a police commissioner, CP. The special anti-robbery squad had to go. The inspector general of police has dissolved the SARS across all 36 states with immediate effect. That was the first thing. The second thing, all the officers and men serving in the unit will be redeployed to other police commands, formations, and units. And they've done that. I was friends with a lot of SARS officers in my hometown, Ibadan, Oyo State, Nigeria. And I made friends with them because we had a robbery. At 1.25 a.m. on June 14, 2019, four armed men blew up our kitchen wall with some kind of explosive and entered the house and just walked right through the wall and came upstairs, woke everybody up and took us all into one room lying face down with guns to our head and that they would blow our heads up. They took every device in the house, including my son's recording studio downstairs, everything in that studio, including his laptop that contained nine new songs and masters. We lost a lot. But we didn't lose our lives. It was a really, really tough bravery situation. At the end of the day, because we were a family of a high-ranking politician, my father being a former governor in the 80s and my mother being a former first lady, if that could happen to us, it could happen to anybody. They deployed SARS officers to our house. And the special anti-robbery squad, the special anti-robbery squad, which we also call special armed robbery squad, SARS, they came and started an investigation. That's another story, that's another day. But they came in and did a thorough investigation to find out who came here who robbed us, who put us at gunpoint. Those are the things that they're supposed to be doing. They go to the banks during armed robberies. They do a lot of work. And I've seen SARS officers eliminate some armed robbers who were stationed between Calabar and Uyo Expressway in the south, south area of Nigeria. Armed robbers just stationed there. They'll stop cars. They'll steal the people's cars and kill them. All five of them were eliminated on a Saturday morning. They were ambushed by the SARS officers and killed. And to the police force and to someone like me, that's a good job. So all those SARS officers that I knew in Ibadan, they fit under the second thing in 5 for 5. They will be redeployed to other police commands, formations, and units. Some of them are on desk duties. Some of them are in the cultism squad but many of them are in different commands. A new policing arrangement 
for tackling the offenses of armed robbery and other violent crimes will be unveiled to the public soon. That was number three. They called it SWAT. The same spelling as the SWAT team or SWAT officers in America, S-W-A-T. We're still waiting for the SWAT officers, number three. They have not been totally unveiled yet. If you go out in Nigeria now, all you see out there are police officers. SWAT is not everywhere yet. But people are still complaining that the police officers are harassing them all over again like SARS. Number four, a Citizens and Strategic Stakeholders Forum will be launched to provide an avenue for citizens to regularly interface and advise the police authority on issues touching the general public. That Citizen and Strategic Forum, I believe, included the judicial panel for SARS. And that was supposed to be enacted in every state. We only saw the Lagos one, judiciary panel for SARS, and we saw Anambra and a few other states. My state or your state never started a judicial panel. Even though I was one of the people, first few people to testify there, scheduled to testify, they never really brought the panel together. Our governor was busy with other things, namely Sunday Igboho, a cessationist. I was kidnapped by SARS, federal SARS officers. They charged me with defaming a pastor, David Ibiomi, who I didn't defame. They said I printed and posted and published documents about him documents that I received as news tips, which I didn't write. But instead of taking me to the CID, as they told my family, they drove me 12 hours across seven states. That's a kidnap. The fifth thing on the five for five is to deal with the report of crimes committed against citizens. An investigative team will be constituted which will include civil society organizations and the culprits will be punished. That is the judicial panel that I was talking about in number four. Number four and number five kinds of works together. Reporting crimes now is still in the interface that they created on their Facebook, Twitter, and possibly Instagram. The Twitter was doing it very well, but Twitter is banned in Nigeria, it's suspended or whatnot. So it's not active. People are reporting via Facebook. But this investigative team is what they call the judiciary panel. And Lagos State was the first to put theirs in action. There was a DIG a deputy inspector general in there. There was a retired judge. There was Shegma Wusoya, Sega Link, the guy that started NSARS. There were some activists, there were lawyers, and there were also young youth activists like Renu Oduala, one of the young ladies that were involved in the protests on the streets. 
And I have to come back to this because the five for five was agreed upon on the 11th of October, 2020. But what happened before then is very interesting. It was agreed upon. But on the 6th of October, no one was expecting this. No one knew what was going to happen. No one knew that the Nigerian people were going to take over the streets all over Nigeria and start protesting against SARS. In what will become NSARS protests on the streets, a group of feminists, six of them, Femco was their company. They handle on Twitter. They mobilize people all over Nigeria, especially in Lagos, to get out on the streets, to block the streets, to block thoroughfares, and continue protesting. How did they do it? They did it secretly by hijacking the Twitter hashtag. I'm going to repeat that. They hijacked the Twitter hashtag. The people who didn't know how the NSARS movement started online. We kept it online. They followed the bandwagon and they went out to protest. One person went out, the others followed them. It was like an ant. One ant found the sugar, the others lined up and followed them. Not knowing that Shegwan Wosanya's Hashtag NSARS was hijacked by, no, by another set of people, mostly women, and they made it theirs, which is typical of the Nigerian way to steal somebody else's idea and make it theirs. Then we saw new people who were in charge of NSARS. They were getting a lot of publicity. Television stations were covering them, interviewing them, World TV media outlets were interviewing them, giving them a lot of publicity. But the person that started the whole thing, Sega Link, Shegwa Wosanya, was kicked aside. They abused him. They cursed him. They called him names, cultist, thief, all kinds of names, unprincipled ones. And they made him look like the monster. These young girls were tweeting and he was tweeting them back and it became a back and forth and everybody was watching it. Nigeria is filled with fake activists. They'll steal your idea and make it theirs. An activist by the name of Aisha Yesufu in Abuja stood up and joined the NSARS protest on the street. Aisha has always been an activist. She has always gone after all the presidents. She trolled and trolled President Buhari in his first administration, the same with the Jonathan administration, and she was part of the Bring Back Our Girls group. Aisha Yesufu, she never liked the whole idea of kidnapping girls from school to school to school. She spoke up. She was brave. She was never afraid of anybody. And that's Aisha today. I've always known her. But this new movement, NSARS on the street, they did not know Aisha until she came on the streets. They made her a hero of sorts. Aisha has always been a hero. 
The feminist girls contacted Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. They submitted all the names of people who were involved in the NSAR's struggle. They had already hijacked the hashtag and made it theirs. And then submitted all the names to Twitter. Twitter, not knowing the real details or the real deal, verified all of them. Except Falls, the bad guy, a music artist who was already verified. The son of a human rights lawyer. An activist himself, like his father, and a lawyer like himself, but also a comedian and a musician. Mr. Macaroni, Debo. Everybody in their group got verified on Twitter, except Segalink. They stole all his ideas, and they make themselves authentic, well-sought people. Al Jazeera did a story about them. Do you know that the NSARS movement in Nigeria is largely run by women? Something that was started by a man that worked hard and got bills passed and got the five for five done. We'll talk about the rest in the next volume. Volume two of 419 Massacre. They're shooting at us. 419 Massacre. When they hijacked that hashtag, I said to Segalink, it'll end in tears. And that's what happened. People were shot all over. One person died at Lekki Tollgate. Several died all over Lagos. Almost 100 people died. For what? For being mobilized on the streets? And they, they vanished. I'm Kemi. Olun Lawyer, Nigerian journalist.